We're starting a new series this weekend called Spiritual Apps, and uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what that means here after a few moments. Um, Gordon McDonald, in his book called Reordering Your Private World, tells the story of a 19th century explorer who was wanting to investigate and explore uh, the, the, the inner continent of Africa. And so after arriving there in, in Africa, he hired some African villagers, some porters who would help on this, this journey into the interior of the continent. And uh, as he got going day one, two, and three, uh, he was really pleased at how much progress uh, the, the, the team was making. Uh, they were farther than he had ever hoped. And so when he woke up on day four, he woke up with a lot of expectation in his heart about how much more ground that they would cover and how many new sites that they would see and any new things that, the, that they would discover as an exploration team. But when he got up, he, what he noticed is what the, 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 he noticed the African villagers, the porters, uh, they were not readying themselves like they had on day one, two, and three. They weren't moving. And when he asked why they weren't moving through an interpreter, the response he got back was that they were going to stay put. They weren't, they weren't going to move. Which then caused another question. He asked, you know, why aren't they getting ready? Why won't they move? And uh, the interpreter gave the response to him and told him that the, the African villagers told him that they had been moving so fast, that they had been pushing so hard that they needed to stop and let their souls catch up with their bodies. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like you've been pushing so hard, you've been going so fast, uh, doing so much that, that you need to stop and uh, allow your soul, that, that the inner essence uh, of who you really are, catch up with you because you've left it in the dust somewhere on whatever you're doing and whatever you've been, you've been giving yourself to? I mean, maybe you own a small business and, uh, and you've made a lot of promises to customers and you want to deliver on those promises. And so, uh, and so you're working pretty hard and you want to keep your employees motivated. And, uh, and, and you, but you want, to do, you want to do the job uh, well and keep the promises as well as turn a profit. And so at the same time, you don't want to compromise quality, but you, you, you're really pushing hard. And you, you're working a lot of hours. In fact, you're working late into the night. You're getting up early in the morning to cover details, to make sure things are happening and progressing and every T is crossed and every I is dotted. And as you're doing all this and you're doing it week after week and month after month, um, you're seeing some, some success in your business, but, but you're keeping all the plates spinning in the air and you realize that as you're doing this, one of the areas in your life that you haven't been able to pay attention to is your spiritual life. In fact, a heart that was hot is slowly starting to cool, and your soul got left in the dust somewhere. Or maybe you're a mom or dad, and you've got a couple kids that are, that are pretty talented. Um, they, they love to play soccer, and they're good at it. I mean, they're only six or seven, but you're pretty sure there's a college scholarship in, in these kids, right? 
A couple words come to mind when you see them play World Cup. Uh, th these are pretty talented kids, and, and so they've got practices happening during the week, and you've got one, maybe two games happening during the week, and, uh, and, and, and it's a blast. It's so fun to watch your kids succeed and, and see them have so much, uh, so much joy on their faces at playing this game. But, but the coach calls and tells, uh, tells you that because the kids have been so successful in their league during the week, that he's scheduled the team for some, uh, some tournaments on the weekend. And so now, uh, you, you got practices happening during the week, and you've got games happening during the week, and now you're traveling uh, across the state to these, these tournaments, and, and, and it's been going on for quite a while, and, and so you haven't been able to connect with your small group, and you haven't been able to serve like you want to, and you've been missing church, and, and it's been fun, but... But you know, the joy that was originally there is sort of like leaking out, much like a, uh, you know, a water leaks, a slow leak out of a bucket. The joy is like kind of like seeping out of your life and, and, and you can tell. Your heart is shriveling and you've been kind of living a life uh, disconnected from God and your soul's been in the left, left in the dust somewhere and your soul needs to catch up with your body. Or, or maybe... Um, you're serving in a ministry that you are very passionate about. You love to serve. And, uh, and you love people. I mean, you just love people. Well, you used to. But now they, they, they're starting to irritate you a little bit. I mean, you're, you're, you're serving, and some of the people that serve with you, you know, they, they got stuff to go on in their life, so you, you're filling in some gaps. And, uh, and that passion that was there when you first started out uh, is, is, is just starting to, you know, kind of like a, a, a new pair of jeans that over time just slowly begins to fade. That passion in your heart that was there at the beginning as you were serving is slowly starting to fade as well. Because you're giving, 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 you're serving, 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 and as you sit there and you realize, you're wondering, what, who's gonna serve me? Who's gonna minister to me? And I, I just feel like I'm starting to lose touch. I'm starting to lose touch with God as I'm doing all this and your soul has been left behind your body and you're weary and you're tired and you're working hard. One songwriter uh, in, in, in her song, uh, I think describes our soul's malady this way. She says, there's a hole in my heart. My soul is bleeding. I need to free my mind and see what I'm feeling because Lord knows, Lord knows I'm tired. I'm weary. Are you here today? And you've been pushing hard. I mean, you've been getting a lot of things done. Your calendar's been full, and it's all good stuff. But what you're realizing is, in order to get all this stuff done, in order to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish, in order to achieve the goals that you have for yourself, you need to push yourself pretty fast. And as you do this, there's little time left for a relationship with God. And your soul has been left behind somewhere in the dust. What do you do when you realize that that inner essence of who you are, your soul is not being nurtured? What do you do when you begin to understand that your soul got left behind somewhere? How do you catch up with yourself? Well, it was to a tired and weary and spiritually hungry people that Jesus gave the invitation of a lifetime. 
In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 29, Jesus spoke these words. He said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. To those of us who are weary and tired, we've been pushing so hard, we've been, we've been needing to get so much done, at least that's, that's been the, the, our thinking, we've been pushing hard, we're, we're actually ahead of schedule, we're doing pretty good, and we want to keep going, we don't want to lose any ground, like that explorer. Jesus gives us this open, open invitation to allow our souls to catch up with our bodies. Come to me and I will give you rest. But the reality is, is when we remember or when we have this realization that we're starting to feel spiritually dry or when we know we've gone in directions that we shouldn't have gone and we hear an invitation like that, there's something in us that goes, oh man, but if I go back to Jesus, it's just going to be, you know, it, it can't be what it was because I've messed up. Or if I go back to him, I know he's going to have that look of disapproval on his face. Which I think it's important for us to know that Jesus says here in Matthew 11, he says, learn from me. He, he, he wants to teach us, not classroom lecture teacher learner. He wants to do life with you in such a way, and he wants you to know that he is gentle and humble in heart. My first, second, and third grade years uh, were my, those first three years of elementary school. Um, I went to a, a school in Hong Kong, uh, China. It was called Hong Kong International School. My first grade teacher was the kind of first grade teacher every parent dreams of for their kids. Her name was Mrs. Seely. Uh, Mrs. Seely was just warm and personable and kind and gentle and patient. Uh, she always, um, and I probably have some pretty idealistic memories, but she always had a smile on her face. Uh, she was the kind of teacher every child just fell in love with. And first grade was a dream for me. And then I went to second grade. The name of my second grade teacher was Mrs. Slapsinski. <laughs> now, when you have the word slap and sin in your name... Sort of a recipe for disaster, right? I mean, she was a tiny woman, but she was a, she was a pistol. I mean, she was a screamer. Uh, she, she was just so loud, and, and there was a lot of wagging of the finger. And I'll tell you what, I was petrified that she would call on me and ask me a question. Because if I didn't answer it, I knew that the wrath of Slapsinski would fall on me. I mean, she scared me. And it was quite a contrast from, from first and second grade. Now, you have your experiences. Some of you have just graduated from high school and college, and you, you, you know your different teachers and ones that you were drawn to, and there were some tougher ones. But I think what happens oftentimes is that when we think about, about wandering from Jesus, and even some of the songs that we've sung, we're prone to wander. There's not a person in this room that is not prone to wander. We've all done it. 
But when we realize this, and if we find ourselves in the situation that we've been pushing hard and our souls have been left behind in our, our bodies, and we want to return, we have this idea in our mind that we're going to meet Mrs. Slapsinski. Which is why we need to understand that when Jesus says, I have this open invitation to you, come to me, all you who are weary, who are burdened, I want to give you rest. I want you to learn from me. I'm going to take, I want you to take my yoke upon you. For I am humble in heart and I'm gentle. He's kind. And yet the enemy of our souls will do his very best to heap extra helpings of shame and guilt on you and say, oh no, it's never going to be what it was. Oh no, no, no. He's going to chew you out. And yet Jesus says, no, I'm humble in heart, I'm gentle, I want to be with you. What do you do when your soul has been left behind your body somewhere, when you know your heart is shriveling, when you know that the schedule that you've been keeping has, has little room in it for connecting with God? One of the first things you need to understand is there's an open invitation to you from a kind and humble Jesus who wants to walk with you and give you rest. Rest. Rest is a, the, 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 the word there, it, it literally means a refreshing stop. Not the kind of stop in the hurriedness of life like you're driving down, the, down I-5 and you blow a tire and you gotta pull off the side of the road and you're standing there on the freeway and everyone is just ripping by you and dust is being kicked up and your hair is blowing in all the, uh, the wind. and that, that, That's not a refreshing stop. It's a stop, but not refreshing. Some of you can remember uh, the TV ad uh, for, for uh, Nest Tea, the iced tea, you know, the Nest Tea Plunge. Some of you remember that ad where it's a hot day and they're standing by a pool and they've got the iced tea in hand and they just fall back into the pool. It's a refreshing stop. Or maybe it's walking a mountain path and stopping and looking at a grand vista that's in front of you as you sip water from your canteen or your water bottle. Or maybe it's, it's sitting on a stump in a forest and, and taking in the majesty of the trees that surround you. Or standing by a brook that the water is sort of gently flowing and the, the gurgling noise sort of just is this mesmerizing cadence that just is pleasing to the ear. It's a refreshing stop. That's what Jesus offers you. He offers you and I this open invitation to come to him for rest. Rest for the weary. Because you've been pushing hard. You've, been, you've got a lot of stuff you've got to get done. And you've been achieving. And you, you've, got to, you've got to make some things happen because, I mean, this is really important to you. And, and it's not that all those things are evil. It's not that those things are bad. It's just that when we find ourselves living a life that's disconnected from God, our spiritual lives pay a price. And what Jesus says in this passage is, it seems a little bit like a, like a contradiction. Come to me, those who are weary and burdened. Learn from me. I'm kind and gentle and I'm humble and take my yoke upon you. Take a yoke upon me? That doesn't sound like rest. Well, it doesn't sound like rest until you understand what Jesus is saying. 
First of all, there were some of you in the room who were going, like, what's a yolk? That was the center of an egg. That doesn't sound very, like, uh, you know, pleasing, restful. I know some of you a little, you've been around a little bit longer, so you know that, you know, in our world of John Deere tractors and other machinery that plow fields and that kind of thing, that there was a day when a yoke was something that you put on the, the necks uh, of a couple of animals to help plow faster. Here's a picture of, of Bertie and Bessie here wearing a, wearing a yoke. Uh, it, it really, a yoke is this, it's, a, it's a giant wooden beam with a, a couple loops in it um, that the, the head of a, 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 ca- a cattle or oxen are placed in there. And then what a farmer would do is when he was going to plow his field, and he or she was going to plow their field, they, they'd yoke these two oxen, you know, to, to, to get a lot of strength uh, to pull that plow, uh, put them together, and, and, to, and to work a field. Now, what a farmer would never do is take a young ox or two young oxen and yoke them together. The farmer would never do that because if you take two young, immature, uh, energetic uh, oxen and you yoke them together, they start out very fast. They get going, and man, can they plow. And they go, 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 but the problem is, is they don't last the day because they're, they're rushing through the job. So what a farmer would do is you'd take a young ox and yoke it to an older, wiser, more experienced, slower ox. And the slower ox sets the pace. The young ox wants to go faster, but can't because the older ox is keeping them at a slower pace. And they last the day and they get the job done. See, when Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you, there there were layers, there's more layers to what he was saying here, but one of the the basic things that he is saying is, come to me, take my yoke, let's walk together, and by the way, I'm gonna set the pace for you. It's, It's sort of like, anyone ever ridden a tandem bike? Anyone ever ridden a tandem bike with someone who just doesn't know how to ride a tandem bike? It's a pretty dangerous thing because someone wants to go left, the other person wants to go right, and you've got a disaster on your hands, right? Well, when you are yoked to Jesus, he sets the pace because he's wiser, he's sovereign, he sees and knows all things, and he sets the pace, and the pace is one that leads you to a place of rest and spiritual growth and your souls have a chance to catch up with your bodies. What do you do when you've been pushing hard and achieving and producing and wearing like a badge of honor, busyness? You realize there's an open invitation from Jesus who's kind and gentle and humble in heart. An invitation to wear his yoke and to walk his pace. But here again is the struggle for us because we're achievers, we're hard workers. We value productivity. We, we see success as a good thing, and it is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with success unless it comes at the price of a life connected to God. And so what happens is when we start thinking about a yoke, one of the very first things we begin to wonder is, okay, I'm going to come to Jesus. I'm going to slow down. I'm going to wear his yoke. How long before I start to see results? When do I start to see my return on investment here? I mean, if I wear the yoke for a week, am I, am I, is the soul going to catch up my body? Is, is there good things going to happen? 
Is it a month? What are we we talking about here? And then when we realize that it's about a pace for a lifetime, there's something in us that begins to chafe at that. In fact, the Old Testament picks us up with the same metaphor of this idea of a yoke. As as, as God uh, calls the people who refuse to submit to him, he calls them stiff-necked. It's again another picture of an animal that stiffens its neck that refuses to put its head in that loop and wear the yoke. And so what happens is that we say, well, I, I can do this on my own. Uh, I, I believe in Jesus and I, I believe all the right things and I'll be okay, I'll just keep going. And what happens is that you can, have, you can be straight as a gun barrel doctrinally and yet be empty as that same gun barrel. A.W. Tozer puts it this way. He says, it's entirely possible for a Christian to lose touch with God while believing correct doctrine. For millions of Christians, God is no more real than he is to non-Christians. They go through life trying to love an ideal and be loyal to a mere principle. Let me ask you the question. Are you in love with the idea of God or do you love him? Because if you love him, one of the things that you will have learned is that God is a person. And while God loves you and has work for you to do, he's much more interested in relationship than he is in results. It's not the results don't matter. Fruitfulness, you read all about it in in the scriptures. While we are focused on results, God... Is focused on relationship. And yet, there is that struggle in our own hearts to slow down, to find rest. Because we want to change the world, right? There's all those things that are wrong out there and somebody's got to do something. Leo Tolstoy says, it's amazing how many people want to change humanity Yet, they have no desire to change themselves. What do you do when you realize you've been going hard, checking the boxes, getting the stuff done, but you realize the one thing you've neglected is nurturing your soul and your soul's been left in the dust somewhere? Well, You recognize there's an open invitation. You remember that Jesus is kind, gentle, humble in heart. And you know that he's offered his yoke to you and we soften our hearts and we lower our heads and we slip our head into that yoke and we let Jesus set the pace for us. But it's so hard, but here's the reality. If we continue to move in this pace of busyness and leave our souls in the dust, the spiritual growth we want to see take place in our hearts has little chance to happen. Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher, put it this way. He said, the press of busyness is like a charm. Its power swells. It reaches out seeking always to lay hold of ever younger victims so that childhood or youth are scarcely allowed the quiet and the retirement in which the eternal may unfold a divine growth. Here's what Kierkegaard is saying. Speed kills. 
That's what, that's what he's saying. Speed kills. We're pushing through life as fast as we can, going, going, going. We got stuff we got to do. We got people we got to see. We got goals we want to achieve. We got all these things, all the success that we hope for, and we go, 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 and we're hurrying, and we're hurrying, and we live a life disconnected from God. One of the things we need to understand is that while the hurriedness of life has is, is, is got that magnetic pull, there's a sense that we get stuff done, we feel good about ourselves. We need to remember that speed kills. So, we need to take that yoke and wear it. But how in the world do you, I mean, what's it mean to wear a yoke? Well, that's what this series is all about. Spiritual apps. This series is all about engaging in, 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 in and allowing and slowing ourselves, putting the yoke on our shoulders so that our souls can catch up with our bodies. And when we say spiritual apps, what we're talking about here is spiritual disciplines. Now, I don't know what pops in your head when you hear the word discipline. When I, when I hear the word discipline, the first thing I, I what first kind of picture that pops in my mind is um, being in my parents' bedroom after I've done something bad as a kid. <laughs> Painful. I messed up. Well, that, that's not the picture here. It's the kind of picture where, you're, where, where Paul says to Timothy, train yourself in godliness. Spiritual disciplines or a spiritual app, as we are calling them, these are not uh, attempts to be more holy. These are not some, some empty legalistic approach to prove ourselves to God that we're serious about relationship with him. A spiritual app is simply uh, a spiritual practice that helps us grow spiritually. Uh, Richard Foster, I think, hits it on the head when he says, a spiritual discipline is a spiritual practice that takes you to Jesus. A spiritual discipline is a spiritual practice that takes you to Jesus. So here's where we're going in these next weeks. We're going to be looking at eight spiritual practices. And as is appropriate, we will do some of them together uh, right here as in our, in our worship time. And we'll also provide some resources for you of, of some, uh, some activities you can do, some recommendations of ways that you can practice a, a specific spiritual app uh, during the week. And, uh, and so we're going to look at, at, at spiritual practices like, like listening to God or spiritual reading or scripture memorization. Uh, we'll talk about the skinny on fasting. We'll talk about gratitude. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll cover uh, quite a few spiritual practices. And I want to say to you today, if you're here today and you know that your heart has cooled and as you reflect on the pace that you have been keeping, you know that your soul's back there somewhere. If you were to engage in these spiritual apps and, and begin practicing them uh, on your own, I think there's some expectations that you can have. I, I wrote down a, a few of them. Here's some expectations. What you could expect as an individual and if we all were to take Jesus up on his invitation, experience this refreshment that he offers so that our souls can find rest, here's some things we can expect together. You can expect to have an encounter with God 
that will produce a deep sense of connectedness with him. Some of you are hungry for an encounter with God and experience again that deep sense of connectedness. I, I think that you can have that expectation if you were to wear the yoke. You're likely to experience a strong sense of God's undeserved love for you. Just by wearing the yoke. Because he loves you. And he even likes you. I think you can expect that you'll perceive that God accepts you in spite of what you view as painful imperfections. Sometimes our own brokenness hurts or shame from the things we give ourselves to that we know we shouldn't really puts a huge wall between us and God. And I want you to know that you can, you can experience an acceptance from God in despite of those things you think that would keep you from enjoying him. Your identity as a son or a daughter of the king will be strengthened. And I believe that you'll have new spiritual affections that are born of the Spirit of God. But they'll come by slowing down. Again, checking off tax, you know, your tasks that you completed or achieving or accomplishing a goal, that's not bad. There are plenty of things before us as a church we want to give ourselves to, but not at the price tag of leaving our souls in the dust somewhere. Because we know the scripture says clearly, apart from me, you can do nothing. If we want to be fruit bearers, if we want to be people who are growing in the spirit, experiencing spiritual growth, we need to pace ourselves and draw near to him. Uh, when I travel, I have a, a, a favorite app on my phone that I, I like to use. It's called Around Me. Some of you I know probably have that app as well. Uh, when I'm in a city where I, 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 I don't know where anything is, I use around me because around me, you know, through GPS knows exactly where I'm at. And uh, as I'm getting up in the morning and I'm looking for a cup of coffee, I, I hit around me. And it has all these categories of things I might be looking for, like, uh, you know, medical care or an ATM or a restaurant or you name it, gas station. Uh, and, and so and the coffee shop is on there. And I, I click coffee shop and I'm looking uh, and I'm, I'm severely disappointed because there isn't Broadway Coffee House in the town I'm in, but I'll go second best. And I look for the closest coffee shop that I might like uh, on this app. And, um, and once I find it, I, I, I touch it, and uh, it pulls it up, and it tells me uh, you know, where it is. And I can, I can also have it map me to get to that coffee shop. In fact, when I do that, and I start walking the street to find that cup of coffee in the morning that I think I need, um, as I'm walking along, this little pulsating ball is showing up on the map as I'm walking, and I'm like staring at my phone like, I mean, do we, I mean, you ever wonder what people are thinking about you as you're walking and left? No, go right. Because that's what happens. You, get, you, you think you're supposed to go the right direction, and you get going down this street, and you realize, no, nah, that's the wrong direction, so you turn and you, you go this way, and you walk into this coffee shop that you find in this city that you've never been to before simply because you followed the little ball that was pulsating, pulsating, and it took you right to where you wanted to go. That's what these spiritual apps will do for you. 
if you practice them, if you pay attention to what God is saying, if you discipline yourself, they take you to Jesus. And there are many of us in the room today that need to find the rest for our souls that Jesus offers. So my hope is that for you as an individual and for us as a church, that we will have encounters with God that will take us to deeper waters in him.